0: Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR and talent acquisition, because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR and may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Hello, Suzanne, and welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective podcast, which I have to thank the fabulous people at WorkDrive for supporting. Um, Now I'm going to check this. Is it Suzanne Wolko? Correct. Yes. Oh, I had this vision of saying something different. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. We have so much to talk about. We've been talking a lot before we even came on air. So this is going to be brilliant. You have such a hybrid of experience. Actually, I was just saying to you, I come in there going, oh my goodness, I don't completely understand it. So actually, can you explain to us what it is that you do um, and what you're up to now and how did you get this hybrid of experience?
1: So basically, I had to take on all the roles nobody else wanted. Um, so so a lot, of, a lot of my career hasn't really been by choice. Um, and it's funny in that way. I uh, applied for a job and recruiter said, no, I think you're better at this job. And she started my path to this hybrid career in investment management. <laughs> All of my roles newly created. I started as a staff accountant, which sounds very easy to understand.
0: Very. I can put that in a pigeonhole. That
1: makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we were, we were a growing company and financial services. And my boss said, you're now the accounts payable supervisor. And I said, we don't have an accounts payable department. Each of the, the staff accountants do accounts payable. He said, that's correct. You're going to build it. Go at it. I thought, okay, then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I was in my early twenties. I was only about three years into my staff accountant role. And, um, I still got to keep the staff accountant job. Don't mm-hmm. don't worry. I was never doing one job. It was always more than one job. <laughs> and he said, we just want you to build it. Go figure it out. No script, nothing. Just figure it out. So that started me on a path of build it, fix it, solve it. Figure it out. <laughs> figure it out without a script um, and just have fun with it and, and do it mm-hmm. differently. So, so yeah. it was great because... Growing up in an accounting department, I think most people on the call will understand accounting usually has a bad reputation for saying no. They say no to everything and they say no after the fact. And then you have to try to clean it up with the compliance department.
0: Oh my God, how often does it happen? Like do recruiters listening will really get this? You've got sign off for the role. You've got sign off for the headcount net. But then when you want to give them the offer, you have to get it again. Oh my God, you're so right. Oh. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, so I did something crazy. I said, okay, if I have to build it, I'm going to actually talk to all the departments that are involved. Oh my God. Uh, I'm going to go to all the leaders that have budget and that are responsible because they have a job to do. They're not accountants. It's not their job to do finance. Um, yeah. Again, these are all going to be controversial in some ways. Um but I don't think the guy who's in charge of or the woman who's in charge of sales should be going through you know and understanding the details of their depreciation of their furniture and how that affects their uh, income at the end of the year. So I started going to all the departments and saying, "Here, I want to be a partner to you. like how can yeah. I help you run your business, and what do you need from me? It's more than just paying the bills. it's yeah. looking at do we have areas to save money, and then worked with them to the point where well, they stopped going to my boss. They they would just come to me and they would say, hey, look, we're going to have a new client in this area. Can you help us understand what the costs might be and how we budget for that so we don't get scolded at the end of the year that we're over budget? Yeah. We want to come in under budget. And if there's any money left, can we give it as bonuses to our team? <laughs> so- Wow. So, wow we tried to work together to find different ways to do things and and that's kind of you know again that's where everything the genesis of this came from yeah so build it or we don't know who can help here or you're going to run this project team or we're, we're merging a business mergers and acquisition figure out how that works um so that's kind of the the basis of my career so how did
0: you end up in the hr part because you've done yeah. that as well and you've yeah. got qualifications in it as well
1: i do how did that happen because, I mean, accounting, HR. <laughs> you know, and I've had a few recruiters, sorry to those listening, in an interview call me weird uh, because of the <laughs> HR finance combination. Um, I, I feel like that's an endearing term. I, I Hopefully they didn't mean it in uh, any other way. But um, I've been working in the investment firm and our London division decided to do a, a managed buyout with private equity money. And they came to me, uh, the team in London, And said, you know, we want you to leave your corner office behind. We want you to leave this team that you (laughs) built. And we want you to crawl under desks and do IT work. We want you to build an HR department. And we want you to manage all of the facilities in Philadelphia. Uh, You'll be employee number 16. You'll have no team. And you're going to do everything in the office that is not marketing, that is not client services, and is not legal. So anything else is yours. And oh my lord! Somehow, <laughs> somehow that sounds awesome. Uh, I'm ready. Like when you know when do I sign up? Uh, it was in the same building complex. So I I left my job on a Friday, and I moved my my whole office and my pictures across the courtyard <laughs> to my office in the other building. So wow. that's how it started. Build an HR department in Philadelphia. Start hiring people. Uh, wow. We're in the UK, so our laws are obviously different. Uh, Write a handbook, uh, run payroll, process payroll.
0: Um, well, at least that bit falls in the accounting bit. That's okay. I get that.
1: <laughs> and the payroll stuff led to my other job down the road, but that's how it happened. And we yeah. took a look and said, what benefits did we like at this big company? What do we want to do different? Because we had a blank slate to build something new. Yeah.
0: I think that's where you would be an asset to any firm, just the yeah. like, build it out. And actually, I loved on your LinkedIn profile, so your summary on LinkedIn, I love this, by the way, that you state you're a slayer of this is how we've always done it mentality, which of course I love because I'm a complete rebel. Um, but that must also be challenging. Like maybe you could share one of your big wins where you have come up against that. Well, I'm sorry, but that's how we've always done it. Because I'm sure any recruiters are listening, going, my hiring managers say that's how I've always done it. So
1: Yeah, well, I, I think what I've learned is that Again, the higher the, the senior leadership tells me to go change it, but people aren't ready for change. And in some cases totally. we don't we don't need change. But sometimes a system does not solve a human problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for for me, you know, it's not about because I'd seen it happen where, well, we're putting the system in, learn it, like it, learn it, don't complain about it, right? You're just force-fed something. And yeah. that environment, that mentality it's not going to change overnight. And and that's where I would take baby steps. And it goes back to, you know, I was new in the role without a job description. I'm going to start talking to the senior leadership that will let me in their offices. Uh, they were all men. I was in my mid-20s as a woman in finance. Uh, so not a lot of us in the wild at that time.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing we're a similar generation. There definitely yeah. weren't. You <laughs> would have been really making waves.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you balance between being nice and and aggressive, or some other words that I, I don't want to use on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and so, for change management, you really need to go and talk to everybody. Like when you put yeah. in an accounting system, it touches compliance, it touches HR. If you're bolting it on and you're doing, yep, you know, absolutely. when you hire through and it brings in all the information, you're you're talking to pretty much everybody is touched Like in a travel system. I think I, I one time figured out there's about 10 different departments or leaders that should be in a sales call for a travel system. They're traveling. They need to have something that works for them. So it's all about working with the end user, but also understanding, do I really need to have, again, I'm, I'm going to pick on the sales team, but do I need to have the head of sales logging into this system to figure out what his P&L is when I can yeah. just send him something pretty quickly, and then talk about it, right? I wish this would happen more. Or maybe I could show his uh, PA or his administrative assistant mm. or his chief of staff. Maybe I can talk to somebody else on his team, and that way they're learning something new. Maybe they don't want to—they don't want to learn finance, but uh, so that's it. It's baby <laughs> steps, but it's talking to everybody else and finding what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of looking bad? Are you afraid of failing? Or for the teams that I worked with you know, we had to be cognizant. Are you afraid you might lose your job to this automation, to this change? Yeah. You know, that is the concern we have to work around. And it's a, it's very multi-layered. And again, I overthink a lot of this, but I want to make sure that it's done correctly and with humanity mm. and being kind along the way. And I think sometimes that's lost because deadlines, KPIs, um, return on investment, and there's a lot of disconnects when you're trying to make changes.
0: That's so true. And do you know, sometimes they don't even think about the actual person using the system. So I had, I know you are from your point of view, but the, I was talking to a recruiter and they'd been given this system because it had, it plugged in with everything, but it meant she had to do so many more steps that her um, repetitive strain injury was flaring up and she was literally bawling her eyes out with me. She's just going, I now have to click five extra times for this one step for every single candidate. And she was just, if someone had just asked her and she'd have explained, this is why we're using this system It works for recruitment. It doesn't plug into HR. It doesn't work. Like you can't, oh, anyway, 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 I'm not going to rant about that.
1: <laughs> and, and that's a great example. You have to understand when you're configuring a system. I'm sure there's yeah. shortcuts that the either the consultants or the IT folks or the accountants or whomever is in charge of that system. They just need to ask those questions of their users when you're going through and mapping out. Again, I did things differently. I mapped out all of those steps for people. How can I make it easier for everybody? And a lot of systems are not configured correctly. In my experience, I mean, they just are not. And you want to make them customized for your team. And that's another place of, well, the system, this is all it does. It it usually doesn't. It's it's a computer system. It can be configured and and changed. So bring that up on the next time you need a change order that you don't want to do five times. You'd like to have something that clicks, you know, once or twice.
0: Yeah. Oh, bless her. It was dreadful.
1: We actually started talking
0: on good old LinkedIn. Because of a change of mentality that we feel is needed, particularly in the middle of a pandemic, um, we connected over what I call the stigma of gaps, which is oh my God in twenty twenty one is quite ridiculous. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because well, I know your thoughts on this, but actually you share your thoughts on this. Bloody gaps. What's so wrong with gaps? Um, (laughs) I'm pulling faces that nobody can see. (laughs) The joy of (laughs) podcast.
1: I'm doing the same here, trying to pick my words carefully um, because this is a soapbox for me. And this, I get very passionate about this.
0: Please. We can't make change if we're not passionate about making it. And I need to hear this
1: yeah so i actually I actually posted on LinkedIn about a month or two ago and and a few people told me I shouldn't get real on LinkedIn because I'm in a job search, so don't get real it'll be held against you um, but i was interview- i was talking to a lot of people in networking and finding a common pattern of people between the ages of 45, 55, and 60 who have been taking care of parents who uh, many Mm -hmm. of them have died. And they're in these long job searches. Uh, One guy just landed an HR director after 44 months of a search and had to move with him and his dog to another state. And I look and his experience, I can show you later, is fantastic. Why does it take 44 months? Or, and then I have another person, he's been looking for a job for five years. He has not been employed in five years. He, he took care of his mother. He took care of her estate. And, and for some reason, and it's a little different, you know, in the UK and Australia and places where gaps, like a gap year is acceptable. Here in the US, if you have taken any time off, it, it seen negatively, and I don't know why, and nobody can adequately explain it to say, well, you may have lost your skills. It, 25 years of debits equal credits. I ha- I still know how to close the books. I still know how to run a yeah. business. I didn't learn, I didn't lose my skills because my mom got sick. And I'm not going to apologize no. for that because I took time to care for a parent.
0: And not only that, the skills that you will have gained doing that. Oh, the patience with the healthcare system. Like the resilience, the patience, the 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 depths of compassion, all of those skills that you don't learn unless you're in that situation that you can take into a workforce.
1: It's just, oh! I guess my question to recruiters and hiring managers is: Why are you seeing me as less than? Why did you just totally, you know, um, say my twenty years of experience no longer matters? You know, because mm. at the end of the day, it's not your business. And and I didn't for the longest time on my LinkedIn or on my resume, I didn't put it on there. I actually molded it into my freelance and contract work. And I had a few hiring managers say, you know, that's a red flag, this consultant, this contract work. I wouldn't look at your resume for this job. And she was doing an employee referral for me. And I said, well, I was taking care of my mom. She had cancer. And, And then she goes, well, then that makes sense. Put that on there. I'd then interview you. And I said, because you feel sorry for me? Like, like, there wasn't this logical answer for me to. Is it under- Laura, It's a
0: just- Oh god, this sounds dreadful. Um, a justified break. Sorry, I can't believe I just said that. It sounds so yeah. freaking obnoxious.
1: Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. We're, we, we, you know, there are some returner programs for women and some men who yeah. leave the workforce for children. Uh, you know, when I had a travel gap or travel sabbatical in between jobs. Everybody thought that was cool. Some of my interviews only focused on all the countries I was visiting and how awesome it must be to live in Europe for a few months. So
0: by the way, for people who are listening, um, Suzanne has this incredible wallpaper right behind her that I really want to send her some coloring pencils for. It's like uh, different places that she's visited around the world. (laughs) I'm really, I'm going to do that. You're going to get pencils. But on the, the flip side, you've also recruited people with gaps though, haven't you? I have. As well.
1: Yeah, I have. So it
0: must be even twice as irritating because you're going, I know I've got skills to bring that are of value because I've done this before.
1: Yeah. And my other (laughs) soapbox is going to be DEI with this. But um, I once hired uh, a woman to be receptionist, to fill in for somebody Mm -hmm. who was on sick leave. And she had an MBA and she had a great career and she had a break. And I couldn't figure it out. Like she had this break and then she was working in retail. And I didn't ask. My recruiter said, I'm going to send you somebody who's awesome. I didn't even interview her. She was fantastic. And then probably about a month into it, it came up, I think she needed time off from her mom. And she starts telling me about her gap and how she can't get hired. And I was just, I hadn't heard of that before. I I just thought you have skills. you know. If, If somebody coming out of college didn't work for a year, we don't say anything about that. That's a gap. We think well, it's a new grad and it's taken time to land a job. So yeah, I hired her. She was uh, a long-term uh, contract. I didn't have headcount to, to um, bring her on, but I absolutely yeah. was a referral and tried to help her get a full-time job. And and I've done that also for you know people who, he's too old, why would he want this job? And you look at it and go, he wants this job to pay his bills, to pay for school, for his kids. He knows the pay. He's gonna actually earn more because of the total comp. And we're going to have somebody who only wants to work the nine to five. He wants to be a solid foundation for the team. He's not going to be leaving. He can train the next generation and you will have somebody on the team. I mean, it just seems simple.
0: Yeah. And also you've got that wealth of experience that they bring and the different aspects. Like he'll be learning from the young and the young
1: are learning from him. And it's, oh, he's, st- he's, still, he's still there 10 years later. I fought for for him. Yeah, I fought for him Mm. to join the team. Um, I fought for a lot of people uh, when hiring managers said, "I want X," and I said, "Well, how about we look at this?" And I did some tests and stuff around this, um, and just said, "Look, give these people. There's nothing wrong with them. They didn't get a summer internship because they couldn't afford it. They had to work, and they have gaps because life happens. If somebody goes to say rehab." Maybe God, you know, love them. They took the time for themselves and their family. They go to rehab. That's not our business. And that's actually protected healthcare. So, you know, there's a lot of different biases out there. And, you know, it's a shame. And I'm hoping more people that start talking about it and start saying, I'm looking at a person with skills and experiences that match the job. It's none of my business. If they had a baby, if they lost a baby, if they adopted a baby, if they had a healthcare scare, because that's protected here in the US, or you know, they just decided, I hate my job, I hate my boss, I'm going to quit for my mental health and took time off there's there's nothing wrong with that and i'm the first not to you know i'm not going to judge anybody on that Mm. and i don't think they should tell me that they they learned all these things you have a gap even now well did you volunteer what did you do in that gap did you watch tv and lounge around no i'm not watching netflix during the day if you Mm. understood how difficult a job search is during a pandemic not during a pandemic you wouldn't be asking these questions.
0: No, I think I'm going to make clicking mouse noises, which will drive my podcast guy nuts.
1: <laughs> but literally, if I, so I'm going to go to the homepage
0: of LinkedIn right now because it is—it's sitting. My typical, my homepage doesn't want to work. There's a, there's a whole thing about gaps today. Mind the gap in your resume, and the advice is like be transparent about it, but change the narrative. Put down, oh, this is what you've been doing, and this is what you've been learning, and I'm just not. Like, but some people just aren't. They might be having to be the carer. I mean, women are being mega impacted. Women are, who are obviously are parent mothers being terribly impacted by this pandemic and they're having to take on the full-time mothering role. Well, they probably don't have time to learn anything or listen to anything or they'll be lucky they get to have a bloody bubble bath. So, Yeah, that's why
1: I said. I try not to get too upset because, you know, yeah. on LinkedIn, the post that I posted about um, the parent caregiving... Hundreds, hundreds of people are going through the same. And one girl is in her twenties. She left a career to take care of her grandmother, and now she's waitressing and can't get a job back in in her marketing. So, you know, we need to talk what? about this and be and 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 look at it. But that's <sighs> the one thing where I do have to be, you know, have to restrain myself on LinkedIn from the people who are saying, "Well, you should have learned something during the break." Well, during the pandemic, I'm happy that my family is healthy and i'm happy yeah. that i didn't color in the wall
0: she said so it's to color in the wall
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> so so i don't think you know if you've been through something you really stop judging other people about it do they have the skills you know they had it they didn't forget how to be a lawyer because they took off a year they didn't forget how to do things it you can still keep your skills up The worst thing here as
0: well is we get given really bad advice. So you'll go to the job centre and the job centre will be go to the recruitment agency and they'll help you get a job. But recruitment agencies know their end client doesn't want to pay a big fee for someone who's got a gap. So the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So anyone who's listening, who has a gap, you need to get directly to the hiring managers, preferably the ones listening to this podcast who are going to be really open to hearing from you. And it's, you've got to go direct. So the lady you're talking about with the marketing experience, she has to be going straight to heads of marketing. Forget anybody in between and getting known, liked and trusted. And it's as you're saying, it's a full-time job looking for a job. It
1: is. And I'm not broken. I'm not Mm. broken. I'm not damaged. I've got a lot of value to add. Like you said, you go through life experiences, and I've had external recruiters say the quiet parts out loud recently. And um, one said I was a risky hire. He said, "You're just a risk," and 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 I couldn't. He couldn't explain it other than to say, "Well, you haven't worked with COVID gap because of this COVID gap, and your your, oh. your last job was X. You've been doing contract work, so." you know, and then you have some other recruiters and sorry for those on the call. There are some bad ones out there who have been saying our clients don't want women over 40. Again, illegal here in the U S illegal in UK as well. Yeah. And, um, and Europe and yeah, most places. Right. So now you have, we want diversity and diversity and age and gaps apparently are still a taboo. So I think, um, you know, we all have to just talk about it. I can probably be the best person there, and who cared? I had a gap. Like, if you're going to penalize me because my mother got sick, then wow, you've just—you really need to look in the mirror. Told me who? You, yeah, you just told me who you are and who your company is.
0: Yeah, something you said a little while back as well. You said you trusted your recruiter. So you were talking about the receptionist with the MBA, and you just said, "I just trusted my recruiter. I didn't even interview them." So. You've obviously had great experience partnering with recruiters. A few. And obviously this is a few. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're not, but the trusted few. But why did you partner with them? Because obviously this, my aim with the podcast is to inspire others Absolutely. to partner really well.
1: So why did yes. you do that? So I had a small list and it's funny because that small list that I had, I had a lot of money to use recruiters and they were great when I had the money and I've seen in my own job search how they've all, most have forgotten me because now I don't have the money. There are a select few. And what I did was I had them come into my office. I had Mm -hmm. them meet the team that they're recruiting for. I had them get an understanding of what our culture was like. And then, you know, we, we talked through, I don't, you know, I want you to keep this open. I want to present a diverse slate to my hiring managers. And again, it goes back to, I've hired people from ages 16 to 60 when I was in my twenties. Um, I want to present a diverse slate and this is before DEI initiatives. And I had that trust uh, with a few recruiters here that they understood and we didn't go through miles and miles of candidates. Literally, they sent me 10 resumes. I could pick five and we would hire one. And usually the person that came in second was in my pipeline. And the next time a job came up, I called them and I hired them. So it was all about understanding what we do. I'm not ordering people. I don't like that term, we have an order. (laughs) I'm not ordering people. I'm, I'm, if anything, I'm giving an opportunity to change somebody's life. And that's important. That's really important. And you have to really... You know, look at it that way and find the partners who love their jobs because they understand it's not just about the client and my my money that I get as commission to pay my mortgage. It's about pipelining. It's about relationships. And it's about building these these um, trusts that you can just pick up the phone and I would say to John, this is the role I have. And he said, you know, this is my top person. She'll be there tomorrow.
0: Yeah. No, that's so true, isn't it? And and the same applies, you know, sort of now the big switch is obviously there's lots of in-house teams. It's exactly the same. They're, you know, their role is to be your trusted partner. Yes. And, yeah, so that you can do exactly that. And also one of the things you hit on is how much time it saved you because they spent that time up front with you and you let them in the office because, you know, sometimes... <laughs> preferred supplier agreements and stuff, you know, procurement stops people coming into the office and it's like, well, how are they going to understand your need if they can't come in the office? Crazy, crazy. Well, and
1: it's also important if, you know, I was using an IT specific recruiter who was mm-hmm. an IT person, so understood when they were interviewing oh, that's people. that's awesome. And I used accounting recruiters that were accountants or had a background yeah. so that they knew what was on somebody's resume, whether it was true or false and how deep it went in terms of experience. And I think internal recruiters, they have actually a harder job because they're managing more recs. You know, they don't often have a time. They're not on site in many cases, and they don't get access to sit with the teams and say, show me for an hour what you do, just so I understand it. Because Mm. you need, in HR, in my opinion, to be more of a business partner. You need to understand what your company does, what all the jobs kind of do, and stop looking
0: order taking
1: order taking yeah i mean i did order taking at a pizza shop that's a little different than ordering people um yeah but but at the same time some of these hiring managers have these requirements they want to order pizza with a topping a different topping on every slice and we all know pizza shops don't do that
0: no they do not do that
1: and it's And I think it's so incredibly
0: important for the internal teams to get into the business. They just, I really want, and (laughs) if anyone heard my presentation, um, the in-house recruitment expo might have had a little bit of a rant about (laughs) this, but, you know, heads of talent acquisitions being proud that their teams are so maxed out. They've got no time for learning. They're making calls after hours. They're, you know, no, I'm sorry. Don't be proud of that. We're the people bringing in the people that make the company successful. And actually you hit on it. I'd not really thought about it from the hiring manager point of view. I'm changing someone's life. I'm giving someone an opportunity. And it's like, what we do is so important. So my God, make the time. Absolutely. As well. So for any recruiters who cannot get a hiring manager's attention. Have you got any tips for them for that? I know I didn't prewarn you of that question, that was mean. Um <laughs> how did your how did your recruiters get your trust then? <laughs>
1: uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, and I think we, we talked about this before we, we started the podcast. Yeah. My experience is really diverse in being the first to go to college and yeah. hiring kids right out of the mailroom and teaching them. So with yeah. high school diplomas, um, you know, and I think that was really important for trust is finding the right people is also looking at, again, diversity things. Like, I hired a lot of I, I say kids, they were, they were They were in their, you know, out of high school and early 20s from different neighborhoods that would never get a chance to get into finance. Right yeah. now, the way the systems and, and there's just too many barriers to find these folks. And I think in building these trusts, you have to show you know, that you are really invested in these teams because you're trying to, again, you're changing lives, but you're trying to create internal mobility. You're trying to create help managers with succession planning. The worst thing you can do is when we have turnover because people are bored or not challenged. And as a hiring manager, my, my, my boss hated this, but I told the teams when I interviewed them that this was a two-year job. I will give you access. I will train you. You will be bored. I will show you everything you can learn about accounting and this company. And you should want to move on if you don't get poached from other departments. And um, that, that's how you have to build trust. You really have to be invested. And if you're working for somebody who takes pride in torturing you, working outside of hours or not being able to breathe, please walk away. Please talk to a mental health <laughs> professional. I mean, that yeah. is not... That is not healthy. Jobs are nine to five (laughs) or eight to five or whatever it is. And we shouldn't have to, you know, live to work. We work to live. And if the pandemic hasn't taught you that at this point, that there's a lot more going on than I didn't get to have lunch today because I was, you know, doing X, Y, and Z and your manager rewards you for that, please walk away.
0: Yeah. I, I can
1: help you find a job. Please. I help people find jobs. I can't help myself find a job, but I do help other people find jobs. So we uh, will find <laughs> you a job. We
0: will. I'm we gonna will. make this my mission. Absolutely, okay. So we if will. somebody wants to hire you, because you have this extraordinarily brilliant finance and HR <laughs> background, and you've got to get it done mentality, everyone should snap yeah. you up. Um is, is the easiest way to find you is on LinkedIn or where should we send people?
1: It is. It is. Uh, LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me, uh, on all the other social channels.
0: So Suzanne Walco.
1: Yes. Suzanne Walco on LinkedIn. Um, on the other social channels, I write a travel blog on the side. Oh, cool. So if you're on other socials, it's uh Philly travel girl. It's P-H-I-L-A travel girl. Uh, my Twitter is HR slash travel since I'm not traveling right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, Damn it <laughs> yeah so so if if you Google me, don't be surprised when you see me with you know with animals in in Africa or something um that's usually what you'll see first is by travel stuff.
0: well, that's what we need to do is we just need to find you a job with the animals that's it <laughs> your dream job travelling with animals right. <laughs> I'm not, we're not going there. We're not going there. I can see your face going there. Anyway, (laughs) I can see this little twinkle of, I've worked with many of those.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I used to be on the board of an animal shelter. So, yeah. Although, you know, they're more more compliant than, you know, having to Mm. deal with, uh, you know, sourcing talent.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, God, let's not go there. I think we're going to have to have a round two of this. Anyway, thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom. It has been so good to talk to you. And, of course, just reach out on LinkedIn if anyone wants to get in touch.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for for the time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully, you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time, thank you.